Welcome to the Risk and Repeat podcast, episode number 55. I'm Rob Wright, editor of Search Security, and I'm here with my site editor, Peter Lotion. Peter, welcome. Hi, Rob. Peter. Yes. We've got a, we've got a special guest in the studio again. We do. Our colleague, senior reporter, Michael Heller. Mike, welcome. Glad to be here. And we are in part two of our discussion on the WannaCry ransomware and all of its drama and fallout. And one thing we touched on at the end of the previous episode was the discussion around vulnerability disclosure and the ethics around it and what should be done and what this means for the, the, the VEEP process, the NSA's practices. It, this touches a lot of different things uh, in, in, a number of, in a number of ways, and you've written about this uh, a couple times this week. But just to recap, the the exploit that was used by the attackers the authors of the WannaCry ransomware worm was eternal blue it's a windows smb flaw that i guess has been known about for some time by uh, allegedly the federal government and the nsa Uh, it was obtained by someone who uh, obtained by the shadow brokers we don't know who the shadow brokers are. The shadow brokers put this vulnerability out um, in a data dump not too long ago. Microsoft had already patched this particular vulnerability about a month earlier, which suggests that they were tipped off by the NSA at some point. Uh, we're not sure when, we're not sure what the timing is on it. We do know that Microsoft skipped patch Tuesday in February. They patched this in the following uh, month and, and patch Tuesday for March. Their excuse at the time, Mike, I believe, was for for Patch Tuesday in, in February for skipping it. While we were at RSA conference with a million other things going on, I believe their their uh, excuse was something along the lines of an unforeseen occurrence or event, uh, uh, you know, caused them to cancel it. And. Uh, yeah, so, so the vulnerability is, was, was a patch was released for this specific vulnerability for supported systems, but a lot of people didn't update, a lot of people didn't apply the patch, and Microsoft took the, uh, I, I guess, somewhat unprecedented, we don't know if it was actually unprecedented, but took the bold step of releasing uh, patches for Eternal Blue for unsupported systems, which we talked about in the previous episode. So. A lot going on here with vulnerabilities and patching and Microsoft and the NSA. But let's start with what you wrote about this, Mike. Let's start with what Brad Smith, president and chief legal officer of Microsoft, what he wrote just a couple days after this all happened. And I want to read from the blog post. It's titled, The Need for Urgent Collective Action to Keep People Safe Online, colon, Lessons from Last Week's cyber attack and he basically I mean he slammed I I don't think it's too harsh to say he slammed the NSA seriously in this blog post Uh, he at one point says in no uncertain terms quote the WannaCry exploits used in the attack were drawn from the exploits stolen from the National Security Agency or NSA in the United States there's no bones about it there's no they stole it from the Equation Group. They stole it from some unknown organization. They stole it 
may have been may have belonged to the NSA. We don't know. No, he says it. He lays it bare in that. Uh, and he goes on to say that we need some type of formal process for dealing with these situations. Uh, Mike, give us a, a sense, you know, writing that story and reading that blog post, what your, you know, what went down and what your thoughts were on it. So it, it wasn't much of a surprise that he said that because uh, this has been a topic that has popped up a number of times. It even popped up at RSA when exactly. when they skipped Patch Tuesday. Yeah. The the disclosure for vulnerabilities that the the government has there they put in rules. The the vulnerability equities process was put in place in 2014 that kind of put guidelines around what should be disclosed, when it should be disclosed. But the problem is it's not compulsory, it's not required. It's not mandatory. It's not mandatory. Anyway, yeah. it's, up to, it's up to the agencies to decide when they want to do this. So obviously if an intelligence agency thinks they can get more value out of having an exploit, they're not going to disclose it. They're under no obligation. None whatsoever. And so in the aftermath of this whole mess with WannaCry and the post by Microsoft, there's been a renewed push to actually codify that into law and set up a formal review board to review all of the, the vulnerabilities that the government owns and decide if they should be disclosed, how much should be disclosed, and this has been something that experts have been calling for for quite a long time, and now it looks like it might actually happen. And what was, you talked to a number of people for the article that you wrote and subsequent articles about this, the, the whole water cry situation. What do you feel like, the, the, what's the sense from the people that you've talked to in the InfoSec community? How do they feel about this? Are they, do they think, yeah, this has gone too far, this, something needs to be done, or is it, is it more of a split opinion? I mean, everybody, everybody acknowledges that intelligence agencies need to have these exploits in order to do their jobs, but there has to be a limit to how long they hold on to them. And because these are digital, you know, cyber weapons, Yep they're gonna get out somehow it's very easy for them to just be stolen much easier than it is to steal you know a giant missile and so they're, they're gonna get out and people are gonna get hit by them so there needs to be some sort of formal process that is mandatory and so that we can keep the, the, the main issue is that people say public safety needs to be put more to the forefront. No, with no sort of specific argument that oh, the government should ever, shouldn't ever do this. I think it seems like most people are in agreement, like you said, that yes, it, these are spy agencies that are going to find vulnerabilities and they're going to use them to their advantage. And no one's out there saying you can't ever do this. You can't ever have, you know, you have to disclose immediately. Yeah. They, they always say, you know, the good guys may have it, but the bad guys have it too. But that cuts both ways. That means the the foreign spy agencies have the same things. They're probably using them. So 
that and that also fa has to factor into when they get disclosed because it's not just the value that our intelligence agencies can get out of it but the risk that we're being put up against yeah yeah peter what what are your thoughts on when you saw that brad smith had taken this opportunity to say to kind of put his foot down and say all right this is this is getting ridiculous and and actually calling out the NSA by name yeah that's a it was a surprise but uh, Microsoft had been kind of quiet about this whole thing up until then I oh on the with the canceling of patch Tuesday yeah, and, and uh, eternal blue yeah yeah they had the, you know, the Microsoft controls very, very closely what what messages come out from Redmond, mm -hmm. and uh, they always have. But I mean, they've they're very strict about their message discipline, and the fact that he that Brad Smith came out, Brad Smith, you know, Brad Smith has a certain amount of um, a credibility in the in the area because he he it's not the first time that he's called on uh, governments to stop talking about things. Or, or stop doing things that that are are anti uh, consumer and users. Yeah, um, he's been pretty outspoken over the years. Yeah, and, and it's always it's always uh, interesting to hear him talk too. But yeah. the fact is, yeah, I, I was pretty surprised that, that they would do that, that they would come out and say NSA as you, as you mentioned. Yeah, and um, and that they um, that they have released uh, more information that. With that information now, we can start filling in some of the blanks, but it's still, you know, speculative um, as to what exactly happened and, and what the dynamics are there. But um, I think it's positive. I think I think that uh, between Tim Cook last year and prior to that, uh, with the Apple iPhone backdoor uh, issues, Microsoft it was Microsoft's turn to stand up. Yeah. Yeah. I knew, I, I don't want to say I knew, that's unfair, but s sitting here and watching this unfold with the with you know Eternal Blue and, and all the preceding drama with the Shadowbrokers, I kind of thought to myself, well, Microsoft or any vendor in their situation is probably sitting there, you know, internally sitting there very frustrated and, and a little ticked off that, that there was something like this that the government had and and didn't disclose so I I totally understand sort of the the frustration and the and the angst that, that was expressed in that regard but I was I was pretty surprised that he was explicit in that blog post he was like this is this is this was stolen from the NSA the NSA had this and sort of not directly calling them out and saying that they caused this because because again that's that's going too far but but naming them by name and, and at least holding them partially responsible for the situation I thought was, I don't want to say it was like an inflection point. It's, it's, it's you know, it's a, it's a turning point, but it does feel like it's an important step. Maybe that's not the right word, but in this whole process of, of, of in this whole dialogue about vulnerabilities and, you know, government disclosure and disclosure in general and what the government can get away with in, in terms of holding on to these vulnerabilities and what obligation they have to the public like you said I mean like it's there there are people saying that there needs to be more 
focus on you know the 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 best interests of of the user and the public with these matters but i mean i don't feel like i mean if we're asking the nsa to do that on their own or the federal you know the, the government in general i don't think i think we're going to be waiting a long time i i don't foresee that happening on 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 its own yeah well one one strange thing about the the microsoft post was i mean brad smith flat out said this should be a wake-up call for the government but then a couple days later when the government you know when the senators put forth the patch act to actually make the vulnerability uh, equities process you know at law and required microsoft didn't say anything they didn't come out in support of that they they didn't have a comment at all yeah yeah tell us a little bit more about the 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 bill that i love the name patch i don't love the name actually i I, that was a was being facetious there but uh this i mean this came right on the heels of this of the WannaCry stuff um and there are some there are a, a few legislators a few members of congress and the senate that that brought this bill out and it, and it, what what did they say about this what are their feelings about it um you know are they they echoing a lot of the things that you heard from the infosec folks that you talked to yeah they they basically just say that we've we've got good policies already written up we just need to kind of put a a, a better structure around them the the whole point of the the patch act would be to make sure that there's a, a review board made up of the director of the national intelligence directors of the fbi the cia the nsa um secretary of the homeland security is going to he would be the the chairperson of the review board that doesn't give me um, a lot of confidence yeah, by the way there man. have been people who are questioning whether or not the the dhs should should be the lead role in this but i mean as long as there's some sort of board that's deciding when and where and how much should be disclosed and making it a requirement that's uh, it's at least a step in the right direction yeah and it was um it was senators uh brian schatz uh democrat from hawaii ron johnson Republican for from Wisconsin and a, a handful of other uh, folks there in both the uh, Senate and the House that were pushing this. So it's it's by it's bipartisan. It seems like it's it's got a fair amount of interest. But um, Microsoft obviously did not come out at least yet and explicitly support this. But other companies have correct. Yeah, this is uh, this is something that Mozilla has been behind for quite a while. Um, Heather West from Mozilla was on a panel at RSA uh, speaking about how this needs to be codified into law. That's right. That's right. And they put out a blog post, you know, minutes after the the announcement of the Patch Act, uh, putting their support behind it. Do, do, is there much chance that this is actually going to happen? Do, do you see this bill getting much traction? I know that's more of a government and political question, less of a technology question. But I mean... I think, I think every I think the only pushback that there's going to be, and obviously it's going to be pretty big pushback, is from intelligence agencies. Yeah. I mean, I think especially after seeing what WannaCry has done. Yeah. 
you know, people in government want, you know, they want to look like they're doing something. And right. this is definitely a good thing to be done. Um, the public wants to see something be, to, you know, being done, but it's just a matter of how strongly the intelligence agencies come out and say, you know, we, we need to be able to do our jobs. You can't handcuff yeah. us like this. Right. Peter, what are your thoughts? Do you think, are you optimistic that this might, that the bill might actually get through one chamber, let alone two? And Well, it's, it's got the bipartisan support. It's, it, it's, a, it's a good way to, sh to show that you're doing something. Mm -hmm. And there's, also, there's always the potential that the, uh, as they say, the proof of the pudding is in the eating or something. Don't get fooled again. <laughs> but the point being that you can you can create a thing, yep. and you can say that the purpose of it is for for protecting yep. end users. Yep. But the implementation of it and the way that it's actually used could be anywhere. Yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll have to see how how, the, how it all works out. But um, especially if if it's if if the people that are in charge of the process are all part members of the intelligence com community um, they've got their agendas and you need if there's no one else to balance that out then that could be yeah that, that could be part of the implementation and uh, that's trouble problematic and especially with with something like this it's not like there's going to be transparency whenever something goes up for review like they, they can't let out any information about what they're reviewing so right they could pretty much do anything behind closed doors and we would be none the wiser. Well, I, I guess, uh, yes, but uh, we, we know, at least, you know, in recent history, pre and post 9-11, that, that there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of love between the, the, the different intelligence and law enforce, enforcement communities in this country. It's, it's, you know, the FBI, the NSA, the CIA, DHS, they don't always work so great together. They don't apparently like to share resources and intelligence with one another. You kind of wonder how much, even if this is codified into law, how much willingness there would be from, you know, the tailored access group at NSA to say, oh, well, we haven't used this Windows SMB flaw in some years. Uh, and the purposes, the initial purposes for what we, you know, the initial ops that we commissioned it for are over, and they were successful, but, oh, this this vulnerability is so good. It's so good. <laughs> you know, like, 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 if you were a hacker, if you were, if you were, if you were someone whose, whose job it was to break into systems, even for something, an SMB flaw that was that old that might not work on more modern systems because it might be turned off by default, you might be sitting there saying, I got a hold on to this. It's too good. It's too good of, of, of an exploit or a vulnerability to, to pass up. And even if it, there's no real sort of relevance to current intelligence gathering or current ops, that's what I kind of wonder about. But, I mean, at the same time, you know, we see every time there's some sort of uh, report, that, security report that comes out, the most common, commonly uh, exploited vulnerabilities 
are still things from you know ten years long, ago. A long time ago, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you can still you can disclose it and at least you know keep some people protected, and there's still going to be plenty of vulnerable systems out there. And as I said before, there's never a shortage of vulnerabilities. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they obviously knew how bad this one was. This is a, a bad vulnerability. It can cause a lot of damage. Um, obviously, whoever's behind WannaCry, yeah, uh, maybe uh, it's the, there's there's enough evidence that they're not exactly professionals or didn't really know what they were doing because it's it's just a sloppy mess there. It, yeah, we 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 we, we kind of skipped over some of that in the the first part of this discussion, but yeah, they they their payments system uh was not uh top notch they couldn't mm-hmm. they couldn't get payments to people that wanted to pay uh they had hard coded a domain into the initial release of the of the malware that was the, the malware needed to connect to that domain to you know once it figured out if there was any what was the sandbox to be able to propagate yeah yeah you know, if the if the flaw was present, and there was no sandbox. Then, then you know, you get the green light, and if you don't, you just sit there, which is is really weird. I don't know why you just wouldn't code that into the well, malware in general, and why why you would need a callback. But what they did apparently was they had this domain that they did not register, they did not control it, right? And so the the malware uh, beaconed out to the to that domain, and if it was inside of a of a container, yep. it would get a response, but and if it was outside of con- and, and then it would stop because right. it didn't want to be detected, and that, but if it if it got a, an answer, it would assume that it, that it's inside a container and it, uh, or if they didn't get an answer, they they would just go ahead and do the thing because then they would assume that it was still okay. Yep. The fact that they didn't register the domain is kind of kind of cuckoo. It's but it's a little. Yeah, it's kludgy. It's yeah, kludgy. there there have been discussions. There 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 are people out there who say it was either released by accident, released early, before they had a chance to sort of iron out this thing and and get their domain set up and get their you know get their payment system ready for the influx of how many people they were obviously planning on infecting or or maybe accidentally infecting, or it was yeah amateurs that just. Found a public exploit, found public ransomware code that had been used previously, made a couple of changes, piggybacked the worm, and then you're off to the races. Um, it's depressing. But before we close this part two of this discussion, and again, we could go on for hours. I know you guys are like, no, please don't keep me in here for hours. But I wanted, there, there's been some discussion about the shadow brokers, there's been a lot of discussion about the shadow brokers motive in all of this. And what are they really trying to do? And do you think it's possible, if you can speculate for a moment, not, rec- not reckless speculation, informed speculation, but is it possible that whoever is behind the shadow brokers, that something like the B process is part of their ultimate goal? Like they sat down and they said, we want to embarrass the Intel community for doing these types of things. We want to expose them. We want to expose the tools, but we don't want people to necessarily be, you know, uh, attacked and, 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 and pillaged and 
all that. So we'll do it in a way, a very careful way, and hopefully there'll be minimal collateral damage, but enough that will spur the, you know, the legislators and the public to say, this is out of control and something needs to be done. The NSA needs to be reined in. It's certainly possible. Um, I mean, the, the way the shadow brokers have been working has been interesting, to say the least. Uh, Very. The broken English is just, it's just, oh. we talk about this all the time. It's just fantastic. It gives me a headache. <laughs> but, I mean, it, and it also, it's just extra strange because when you compare it to, say, WikiLeaks. Yeah which is essentially doing the same thing, except it is very blatant that they just want to shame the intelligence community. Right, and they're not releasing, they, they haven't released the Bolt 7 stuff, just the just the names of it, which is, I gotta say, I was a little surprised by, but, but yeah, I mean, I guess, like, the, the easy guess here would be, oh, this is, this is Russia, and these guys really are Russian, and this is a way for them to to sort of embarrass and expose the you know the NSA, and then maybe in maybe in some off chance set them back, you know, try to try to to, to disrupt their internal hacking operations and say, uh, you not only are we going to expose your tools, but we're going to get your we're going to get government oversight on you. To, to possibly disrupt your, your systems and then it's going to be more roadblocks and you're going to, you, you know, you're going to have to be dealing with that. But it seems like, that, I guess that could be it, but it also seems like this is like all, this is all just a ploy, like all that Russian stuff. And that maybe, to me, maybe there's somebody who is like a chaotic neutral character in all of this who's, Who's saying I want to embarrass? I want to I want to humiliate the NSA. I want to expose them and do damage to them, but I don't want to do damage to the public. I want to I want something good to come out of this. Maybe I'm overthinking things, but I don't. Peter, what are your thoughts? I I agree. Maybe you are overthinking. <laughs> I thought you said you were going to agree with my point. Oh. Well, I I to apply Occam's razor. Yeah. Or. The, the other razor about uh, not attributing to yep. malice. Don't attribute to malice uh, what could be explained by stupidity. Mm. And but don't uh, rule out malice. Yeah, yeah. Don't we, rule out malice. We, let's not rule out malice. I mean, I think there's I'm a I'm definitely of, not ruling out malice. I, I think these things are very are malicious. Malice is my first choice. Yeah, it's malicious, but That's I why don't... I built a bunker. <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to advertise your bunker because people are going to be knocking oh, they don't know where it is they'll find, find out they'll find out they'll do it a DNS right look but, up yeah but yeah I mean I, I think that they've succeeded greatly at sowing chaos and getting everybody upset and worried and, and concerned um, yeah I don't think there's a grand plot I mean are they they're, I, they look like they're chaotic they look like they're a mess. I don't know if they're sowing so much chaos. I mean, what they released certainly has become very yeah. chaotic. Yeah. But, I mean, anytime yeah. you're going to release a, a vulnerability like that. I mean, my, my issue with the, the Shadow Brokers has always been 
just the way that they handle things and like the delays and the weird auctions and all of that like it always kind of made me think that they have you know this small trove of of really good stuff yeah and they just want to milk it for everything they can yeah 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 maybe attention they definitely want attention yeah and we're giving mm. it to them right now yeah yeah, yeah. Maybe we should end the podcast. <laughs> Maybe we should cut it there. Oh, uh, well. I guess that does it for part two of our discussion on WannaCry and all of the drama and all of the craziness around it. Uh, this was fun. Mike, thanks for coming in. And we enjoyed having you in here for the first time, your, your first inaugural two-part podcast. Thank you yeah. for joining us. Been great being here instead of just hearing my name dropped all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do drop your name quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll do it more too. And Peter, thanks as usual for being my co-pilot in Chernobyl. Always good to be here. And thanks to the listeners and readers of Search Security. I'm Rob Wright, and we will see you next time.